Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Friday, January 19th. Today we're covering how Trump is building his power at home while global leaders dread his return. And the Florida bill that would ban pride flags from government buildings is moving forward. Plus, Netanyahu's apparent rejection of a post-war Palestinian state adds to tensions with the Biden administration, and the House GOP is moving swiftly toward Mayorkas's impeachment. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. In the political landscape, former President Donald Trump's influence seems to be growing, with his dominance in national primary polling and the possibility of him being the inevitable nominee for the 2024 Republican nominating contest. Let's bring in Abby, our political correspondent, to discuss this further. Abby, what's your take on this? Well, Michael, Trump's political power is indeed on the rise. He's been able to leverage his multiple criminal indictments to create a narrative of political persecution, which has invigorated his White House bid. His influence is dictating terms in Washington, where GOP lawmakers are aligning their positions on key issues like government funding, Ukraine, and immigration to boost his campaign. It's interesting to see how Trump's influence is shaping the political discourse. How are his remaining primary opponents, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, responding to this? Both DeSantis and Haley are cautiously stepping up their attacks on Trump. However, they're holding back their strongest criticisms, particularly about January 6, 2021, and his threat to democracy, to avoid angering his supporters. Haley seems to have the best chance to defeat him in an early state when New Hampshire holds its primary, but its electorate isn't representative of much of the rest of the nominating contests. Trump's influence extends beyond the U.S., with European leaders expressing concern over a potential Trump 2.0. Can you tell us more about this? Absolutely, Michael. There was a Trump-shaped cloud over the World Economic Forum in Davos this week. European leaders are worried about the possibility of a second Trump term, and business leaders are beginning to process the possibility that he could be back in the Oval Office in a year. Trump's hardline vision for a new administration seems to have irked some in the audience. Trump's vow to devote a second administration to retribution has raised concerns. How are Democrats reacting to this? Trump's pursuit of a strongman presidency has indeed alarmed some Democrats. Vice President Kamala Harris confessed this week that she was scared as heck that Trump could win in November. The return of the oppressive unease that characterized his White House years for some of his detractors is what President Joe Biden's campaign is counting on to carry him to re-election. Trump's influence also seems to be affecting the Biden administration's efforts. Can you elaborate on this? Yes, Trump's influence is threatening Biden's administration's effort to secure tens of billions of dollars in funding for Ukraine. Trump has vowed to end the conflict within 24 hours if he wins a second term, on terms that can only favor Russian President Vladimir Putin. This is causing delays in assistance, which is forcing Ukraine to push obsolete equipment into service on the front lines and to ration ammunition. It also sets up a strategic advantage for Putin, giving him every incentive to continue the war at least until early 2025, when there could be a new American president skeptical of Ukraine aid. It's clear that Trump's influence is far-reaching. Thanks for the insights, Abby. 
Now we turn to a bill in Florida that could limit the display of pride and Black Lives Matter flags in government buildings and schools, which is moving forward. Abby, our correspondent for Current, is here to give us some insights. Abby, what's the latest on this? Yes, Michael. Florida lawmakers have voted to advance HB 901, a bill that would prohibit government entities from displaying flags that represent a political viewpoint. This includes flags that represent politically partisan, racial, sexual orientation, and gender viewpoints. The bill was introduced by Republican representatives David Borrero and Randy Fine and was approved in a 9-to-5 vote along party lines. What are the arguments being made by the bill's supporters? Supporters of the bill argue that it's meant to counter indoctrination, especially in schools. They stress that it doesn't affect flags being flown at homes or other private places. Representative Doug Bankson, a supporter of the bill, has stated that the bill is about refocusing on education rather than indoctrination. And what about the opposition? What are their concerns? The bill has been met with strong opposition from the LGBTQ community and others who argue that it fosters intolerance. They point to other anti-LGBTQ laws passed by the legislature and argue that this bill is part of a broader trend of intolerance. Representative Dodie Joseph, a North Miami Beach Democrat, has stated that the bill fosters the kind of intolerance that breeds violence and makes communities unsafe. This isn't the only bill targeting the LGBTQ community in Florida, is it? No, it's not. As reported by the Tallahassee Democrat, at least 19 bills either targeting transgender people specifically or potentially LGBTQ people in general were filed before the start of the session on January 9, 2024. These bills range from seeking to ban legal recognition of transgender identities to extending don't-say-gay laws to employers. It's a complex issue with strong feelings on both sides. Thanks for the update, Abby. In other news, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has made some controversial comments regarding the idea of a Palestinian state. Abby, our Middle East correspondent, is here to help us understand the implications of these remarks. Abby, what's the latest? Michael, Netanyahu's comments have certainly stirred the pot. He seems to reject the idea of a Palestinian state, arguing that Israel needs security control over all territories west of Jordan. This, he says, conflicts with the concept of Palestinian sovereignty. And how does this align with the stance of the U.S., particularly President Biden? Well, Michael, it's quite at odds. President Biden has long advocated for a two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Netanyahu's comments have reportedly frustrated U.S. officials, even as they continue to support Israel. What's the U.S. administration's response to Netanyahu's apparent rejection of a Palestinian state? U.S. officials have stated that they will not let Netanyahu's comments deter them from discussing the matter with their Israeli counterparts. They note that Netanyahu has reversed hardline positions before, and his recent statement may not be his final stance. What about the tensions between Biden and Netanyahu over the situation in Gaza? Yes, there's been a public rift between the two leaders over the civilian casualties in Gaza and differing visions for the future of Palestinians. The U.S. has been urging Israel to shift to a lower-intensity phase of the war, focusing more on Hamas leaders and militants rather than mass strikes causing civilian deaths. And how are these developments affecting the domestic political scene in both countries? Both leaders are facing increasing domestic pressure. Biden is constantly confronted by pro-Palestinian protesters demanding a ceasefire, while Netanyahu faces criticism over the ongoing hostage situation following a Hamas attack. Amid calls for his resignation, 
Netanyahu has claimed that those asking him to step down are essentially advocating for a Palestinian state. It's a complex situation. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now, in a move that could make history, a House committee is laying the groundwork for the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Abby, our correspondent, is here to discuss this. Abby, what can you tell us about the situation? Thanks, Michael. The impeachment proceedings are being led by committee chairman Mark Green, a Republican from Tennessee. He argues that Mayorkas's handling of the U.S.-Mexico border, particularly the record number of illegal crossings, constitutes egregious misconduct and a failure to fulfill his oath of office. But not everyone agrees with this move, correct? That's right, Michael. The panel's top Democrat, Benny Thompson of Mississippi, and one of the witnesses, Princeton University law professor Deborah Perlstein, have both argued that policy differences are not grounds for impeachment. Perlstein emphasized that impeachment is not meant for policy disagreements, no matter how profound. So what's driving this push for impeachment? Well, House Republicans have been eager to impeach Mayorkas since seizing majority control last year. Their efforts to impeach President Biden over the business dealings of his son, Hunter Biden, have come to a standstill. The focus on border security is also a hot topic on the campaign trail, with Donald Trump vowing to launch the largest deportation operation in U.S. history if he returns to the White House. And what has been Mayorkas's response to these impeachment proceedings? Mayorkas has yet to appear before the committee for the impeachment proceedings. He has been deeply involved in Senate negotiations over a border security package, which would potentially restrict entry into the U.S. and more rapidly deport those in the country without legal documentation. The Department of Homeland Security has noted that Mayorkas has appeared before Congress more than any other Biden administration cabinet member. What are the potential outcomes if Mayorkas is impeached? Impeaching a cabinet secretary is a rare occurrence. It's only happened once before in U.S. history, when Defense Secretary William Belknap was impeached in 1876 over kickbacks in government contracts. If Mayorkas were to be impeached, the charges would go to trial in the Senate, where it takes a supermajority to convict. In Belknap's case, he was acquitted. Well, it's certainly a situation we'll be keeping a close eye on. Thanks for the insights, Abby. All right. That wraps up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Current Radio. We'll see you back here tomorrow.